As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Hey, Michael. What's up, Mike? I have a question for you. As always. <laughs> okay, what do these things have in common? Jobs to be done, user testing, customer interviews. Well, they're all topics we've covered here on Rocket Ship. That's actually true, but that's not what I'm going for. All right, well, I'm pretty sure I've seen talks given about those topics at Industry, the product conference, in the past. And we have been recapping some industry talks here on Rocket Ship, so... Okay, again, true, but that's actually not it either. All right, I give up. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, all of those things, they're all forms of something more broad, which is user research. Mm. And today on Rocket Ship, I figured we could take a step back from these specific forms of user research and talk about the subject a little more broadly. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. 
Rocket Ship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So you must have spent some time recently with somebody that knows a thing or two about user research. I sure did. Uh, I recently caught up with Laura Klein. Um, you might recognize her name. Yeah, I, I know she's definitely a product person. I hear her mention quite a bit, actually. I think she's written a couple of great product books, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Laura is a product leader. Um, she's helped many product teams in the past as a consultant and a coach, but she's written two books that come to mind, UX for Lean Startups and Build Better Products. Um, and we actually had a conversation about what it actually means to do user research and why it's important for companies to do user research. Yeah. So why is it? Well, it turns out that a lot of companies, they don't actually know a lot about their customers. Can you believe that? I, I actually can't believe that. <laughs> I have talked to clients who have known exactly who their customers were and have known that they did. Um, what I will say is that they, no matter how well they actually know their customer, I think they always overestimate how well they know their customer, if that makes sense. So there's always a gap. Generally what happens is, and this depends really a lot on whether you're talking about, for example, who are my current customers versus who might my customers be. If you're talking about in the sort of the company life cycle, if you're talking about a brand new startup and, you know, oh, who, who is our customer going to be versus, no, we've actually been around for several years and we have real customers that we talk to all the time. So the the issues there differ quite a bit depending on all the factors, right? How how long the company's been around, how long the product's been around, how much actual research they do, what kind of interaction they have just on a regular basis with their their customers, whether they have, you know, a, a really solid specific core group of customers versus, you know, we're for everybody. <laughs> so it, and you know, just how much time they put into it. It's pretty sad, but you know, I get it. It's hard. Uh, some companies get so comfortable because they're doing well in sales. They may even be growing um, and they get kind of lax in terms of spending time to actually understand their customers, do the research and development um, because they feel like, you know, they don't have to anymore. Yeah. And it could be for other reasons too. Uh, I just know personally, like we're behind the ball with conducting attendee interviews from industry for this past year. Like we should have already done a lot by now for sure. Maybe you're getting a little too comfortable. I can assure you it's not that I'm very comfortable. <laughs> I definitely don't feel comfortable yet. My problem is there's so much that needs done right now. So some of it is super important. I mean, we're getting things locked down for industry Europe. It's just four months away. It's in March. Um, there's a lot of to-dos for that right now. Uh, sponsorships, something else that's on my plate right now. So these are all important things, but user research, like that is important too. I, I will say my I don't know. For me, I feel like my days never feel like I've actually accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, you know? Yeah. And those customer interviews. Yeah, they're definitely important. Uh, but I admit I've let other things get prioritized above them and I'm definitely not proud of it. But I want to yeah. change and I will change. I am, I'm telling everybody right here that I am going to change <laughs> that because um, we have to. I mean, we have to stay close to our customers and I want to make sure that I understand our customers and our attendees as best I can. It's all right, Mike. This is a safe space. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. It's, it's just the two of us, right? Right, right. No, it, I have a I, couple I, thousand people. <laughs> oh, you don't have to remind me. 
I will say this though. I'm not alone. Laura actually goes into more on why there is such a customer understanding gap with not just my company, but maybe a lot of companies. And the common thing is that the people who don't know anything about their users and but who think they do are the ones who will spend a lot of time telling you that, oh, customers don't know what they want, so we don't have to talk to them. Um, tends to be the same people. Just to be clear, often customers don't know what they want. You still have to talk to them uh, because you have to understand what the problems are and what they're doing. And I honestly, people are pretty good at knowing what they want sort of generally. They're just not that great at designing products, which is fine. That's your job. The issue is really that people, they will, they will say things like, oh, we don't have time to do user research or, oh, you know, we don't talk to customers because we already know, or, oh, we're building the vision and they won't understand it. <laughs> um, okay, then they probably won't buy it either. Um, all sorts of, all sorts of those. Basically just excuses for not talking to people. The ones who do know, and I don't want to just rag on companies, the ones who actually do tend to know their customers well, tend to be the ones who either go out and proactively do good user research. That is one way of doing it. Um, also customers, also places that have really good customer success teams that are proactively reaching out. This tends to be more in sort of B2B uh, and enterprise. They're, they're proactively reaching out and working with key customers. Um, and, you know, places that have actual account managers that are going out and talking to people all the time. Even then, you do tend to, I would say, over-focus again on existing customers, which isn't always who you want. I mean, you might know a ton about your existing customers and you might not know a thing about this other group of customers that you could also have if you just did a little bit of research. So we're reminding ourselves here that it's important to do user research, but how? What's the right way to do user research? And I did ask Laura this exact question, but first we should break and hear a word from our sponsors. Okay, right before the break, Michael, you asked how, what is the right way to do user research? You know, how do we get started? And uh, Laura had a few things to say about this. It's so tricky, because this is a little bit like asking, um, you know, like, what's good medicine? <laughs> you know, it depends on what you got and what you need and what you'd like to change. Um, so, and it might vary again wildly. I There is a ton, there are a ton of great books on how to do good user research mine included, I think, um, but lots of them by, you know, actual full-time user researchers who are fantastic. Um, and so I always sort of figure out what you need to know and what you don't know. Here's, here are some general guidelines. Under, try to figure out what you need to learn about. So for example, if you have a product and you know, that's already out in the market and people are using it, a really good place to start is often with just usability tests if you're not doing them. And if you're not doing them, do them. Okay, I can't stress this enough. If you want to do them, try maybe a book by Steve Krug. You know, like, don't make me think. There's lots of other good ones, but that's a great place to start. Um, I always call usability tests sort of the gateway drug of user research <laughs> because it's just very, um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy. Nothing's nothing's easy. I don't want to, you know, denigrate anybody's actual job. It's not easy to do well, but it's actually pretty easy to get started. And just watching people use your product is going to help 
so much. Just start there, right? If you haven't done that and you have a product, start there. After that, <laughs> or if you already do that, congratulations, well done. Or if you don't have a product that you can actually watch people use, that's fine. Um, then you're going to need to go into sort of a more what I, we call user research mode. There's usability testing where you're testing your product and there's user research where you are researching your users and you are trying to understand who they are, what their needs are, um, you know, what they do, uh, what, what their sort of general problems and behaviors are. And that's a lot wider and bigger in terms of understanding your customers. So definitely I would say in those cases, you might actually want to bring somebody in as a consultant to help you understand what are you trying to learn? What are the, what are the big gaps in your knowledge that you're not seeing? It's very hard to see those yourself. So I often recommend that people bring in a guide or a consultant or a coach to kind of help them with that. Um, also, I just want to say, and I, this is always fun because this is always the part where I get lots of user researchers arguing with me, um, don't ignore quantitative data. You know, if you have, again, if you have a product and you have quantitative data, take it into consideration. It's super helpful. It will tell you exactly what is going on with your product. It will not tell you a damn thing about why that is going on. So you still need to do the research, <laughs> but it is a great thing to use to, um, you know, to bolster your research abilities. It's actually a great, it's, it's kind of a fun way to figure out what you don't know. Because a lot of times I was uh, working with a, a client um, fairly recently who were like, yeah, this thing happened. This, you know, we, we, all of a sudden our conversion dropped off, dropped off a cliff. Oh, why'd that happen? We have no idea. Okay. Well, that's a really good thing to design a research study to try to figure out. And that research study might involve things like going in and looking at more quantitative data and also talking to users and also watching people use your system. And, you know, so a lot of, a lot of different things there. Like I said, it's, there are a lot of ways to do this. You have to figure out what you need to know, and then you need to design the research study around that. So start with some usability testing, get your product in front of people and watch how they interact with your product. Even if you aren't an expert at that, just doing it. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to get started. And a bit humbling, usually. It could definitely be humbling. Um, <laughs> it, but if you need help with like finding the gaps as you're doing deeper user research, um, which, by the way, in the very beginning, you know, just getting started, just doing the thing, like that's okay. It, you'll you'll kind of experiment and figure out what works. But later on, you know, you can find a guide, a consultant, a, a user sherpa, if you will, <laughs> and uh, you might need to spend some money on on that. Consultants aren't free, but it can no. help you, you know, get started on doing things the right way. Hopefully, so once you're doing things. Yeah, the process has started. It can't be all on you as a product person, right? It has to involve other members of the team. For sure. And here's what Laura has to say about that. There's a bunch of pieces to research, right? There's the figuring out what you want to learn. There's the planning of the actual study. There's the running of the sessions. Um, again, if you're doing both quantitative and qualitative, there might be, you know, different kinds of work to be done there. There's the analysis and the synthesis of the data. And then there's the sort of coming up with the next steps um, and figuring out, okay, what does this mean for our roadmap? What does this mean for prioritization of what we're going to fix? Um, different people are involved in different steps. Everybody is involved, at, should be involved at some point. Um, I, I feel like 
a lot of companies divided up very strictly. And if I say, oh no, the product manager should be running the sessions, then everybody who's got a user research team is going to go, well, that's not going to work here. And so here's, here's what you need to do. Somebody who knows how to do this well, hopefully, if you have someone, um, should be guiding the process and making sure it happens. Product managers, as we know, you know, you say like, oh, that's the product. What is the product management role? It's like 700 different things, all of which are different at every company. So, you know, your mileage may vary on any of this advice, but everybody is involved. That doesn't mean that everybody does every single thing together. I get a little annoyed at these companies that are like, oh, now we're all going to sit down and do the project plan together with all of the engineers and I'm like, no, they they don't want to do that most of the time and they have other things to do. Leave them alone. Um, but involve them in reviewing the plan or evolve, involve the ones who want to be involved in reviewing the plan. Um, ask them for their help and, you know, what they need to learn. Ask them for their help in, you know, getting the data that you need. Uh, UX designers, if they're not also doing the research, sometimes they're, you know, just UX designers, you know, um, they're going to be really heavily involved with, you know, maybe observing sessions so that they get some firsthand information. Um, definitely in the synthesis stage where they're trying, where you're trying to make sense of all of the information that you just got. And a hundred percent in the sort of what are the actual changes that we could make to the product that would help us fix these problems that we saw or serve these needs that we saw. And of course, the product managers are involved throughout the whole thing. Again, maybe not doing every single bit, but definitely making sure that they're involved, they know what's happening, they're cool with what we're learning, and that, remember, at the end of it, they're the ones who have to generally have to make the decisions about, okay, which of these things do we do? And if you don't trust the process, coming up to that if you don't if you haven't signed up you don't if you didn't watch the you know the user research sessions or at least the videos if you didn't get that feedback personally how are you gonna figure out what how to prioritize this stuff i i don't know is the answer so yeah everybody at different points that makes sense and so that we all sort of understand what comes out of it and can say great this is what we learned. This is how we're changing our behavior based on it. This is how we're changing our product. These are our priorities. Let's go do that. Of course, once you've got the process going and it's going well, none of it's going to matter unless your findings are actually put to use. That's true, because if the marketing team is armed with the data, they can better market your product. If the engineers are armed with the findings, it can influence their work, too. Yeah, and Laura talked about how to best share the findings with the rest of the team, um, whether it's your engineers, your marketing team, or the rest of the entire organization. Um, and product people, you might actually like how Laura suggests to think about this. Treat it like a product. Treat it like a product with different users. Um, this is, again, so many people think that when we're, you're working internally with your teams, that that's somehow different than working with customers, and it isn't. Um, anytime you have a thing that you want to communicate to a human, you should figure out what that human wants to get out of your product or the thing you're providing them and how they best consume data. Um, 
maybe it's PowerPoint slides. In which case, I'm sorry, make a PowerPoint. <laughs> maybe it's a dashboard, which fantastic. Those are fun and easy and you can build them and then just let them deal with it themselves, <laughs> it's, which is great. You know, maybe it's an Excel spreadsheet. I don't know, maybe it's a conversation. I, you need to figure out what you're trying to convey to the people, what's the best way to convey it and um, what they'll actually take away from it. But your goal, remember, every time you're giving anybody anything, a feature, a, a product, a, a piece of data, your goal is to help them change their future behavior in a way that's good for them and good for you, hopefully. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Good for the rest of the world. I think we should also think about that. So I can think of one big potential challenge. Yes. I bet a lot of people listening right now, they're product people and they're nodding their heads, right? That this is something that makes sense. It should be done. We should all be doing more user research, most likely anyway. But? But the people that are usually the ones that are in the company saying, we already know enough about our users, let's just do the thing. They're not us, they're not the actual product people, right? Bingo, yeah. So what does Laura say about that, about selling the concept up within our organizations, the CEO or other executives, so we can get that time and the resources that are needed to do like proper user research. What does she say about that to the product person who feels like, you know, they might just be alone? The thing you're feeling where you feel like nobody believes in user research. You are not alone. I I, I feel for you. Um, I, I am in no way making light of this. It is a serious problem. And it is, I think it is less of a problem now than it was, but it is still a really serious problem. Um, I would say that there are a few answers to this. Um, often, what you have to do is you have to do some user research and then show the benefits of it in some way to the people who make the decisions. So you are almost never going to be able to just argue somebody around to your way of thinking. Believe me, I have tried. It does not work. Uh, you need to demonstrate the value in some way. Like I said, doing things like usability testing is a phenomenal that i mean one of the reasons it is a great gateway drug for user research is because if you do it and then you take again those sort of you know do do your work do the videos clip put some clips together it doesn't really take that long you know cut it down find some like find three really bad problems and then show them to everybody that you possibly can right and say hey remember how we weren't doing user research this is what we're actually doing to our customer right go out get those quotes from people get actual feedback on what's going on and what their needs are and then show that information to people um that will often make people at least understand what you mean by value and it's a little easier i think to understand than sort of general you know, oh, this is our user and these are personas and things like that. Like those can be a little bit more, those can be a little harder to convey the value of, um, which is unfortunate because they're extremely valuable. But, you know, people, people, people react really strongly to, oh my God, is that what we're inflicting on people? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> like what, what are we doing? We're monsters. Um, I've had 
engineers like fix bugs in user research sessions because they couldn't stand to see people struggling. So um, that's a really, I think, good first step is to just kind of do it and, you know, show them the value. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So the moral of the story is we should all be doing more user research. The best way to get started is just to get started. Find an expert to help guide you, read some blog posts, whatever you gotta do, but it can save you a lot of time and effort and at least to ensure that you're not doing the wrong kind of research. And then use this research to inform the entire organization, including management, including engineering, bring everyone into the fold on the findings and the potential implications of what you're seeing. Did I kind of get it all? Yeah, I don't think I could have done a better TLDR myself. Don't you mean uh, TLDL? Too long didn't listen. Well, all right, there, uh, there you uh, go. That's that's a new <laughs> one. Uh, of course, I think we put your TLDL at the end of the episode, so it kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. So um, we'll be back next week with another episode of Rocket Ship, so stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.